Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the Word of God bless you today. The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. So an expert in the law, he stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, what's written in the law? What do you read there? The man answered, well, that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to them, you've given the right answer. So do this and you'll live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest, ah, a priest, was going down the road, and, and he saw him, and he, uh, he passed by on the other side. Well, so likewise, a Levite, when, when he came to the place, he saw him, but he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he treated them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn, he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, that's a lot of money. He gave it to the innkeeper, he said, take care of him, and when I I come back I'll repay you whatever more you spend. So Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The man said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, so go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So one of the greatest struggles for people of faith is I believe, the question of evil. Specifically, specifically, why is there so much suffering in a world where a good God exists? Why is there so much suffering in a world if if God exists? It's likely that many of us, most of us, have wondered are wondering, maybe even right now, why, God? 
Why, God, the, the, the shootings? Why, God, the, the death from disease? Why, God, that accident or the hurricane or that fire? Why, God? Why, God, these politicians, their choices, their supporters? Why, God? It's such a big question asked of God that there is even a, a fancy theological word to describe it. It's called theodicy. Many of the people that I meet who do not identify as religious, they, they say it often has something to do with this question being unanswered. How, how could there be a good God if all of this stuff happens? Usually, however, when someone is asking the questions, they are not really in the mood for a theological discussion. When somebody sitting by their ailing mother's bedside, tears in his eyes, wonders aloud, Pastor, why did this have to happen to my mother? Do you think they're really looking for a theological answer to their theological question? I don't know. I don't think that there's really a satisfying answer, certainly not one that is helpful in the midst of, in the middle of our pain. The question of evil itself is unsatisfying by its very nature. Evil is evil because it's not supposed to be. There's no way to justify it. Our longing to make sense of evil, it's born out of our hurt, out of our disappointment and our confusion. But our thirst is not so much to understand evil, but to figure out what in the world is God up to in the presence of evil? It's not so much that I need to understand how or, or why a car accident, for example, may have occurred, because we can usually answer the question of that car accident. What I want to know is where is God in that car accident? What is God's role our question, how can this be? It's more of a heart question than a head question. But losing a loved one in a car accident is not something that we really can wrap our heads around. It, it's, it's, it's never really going to make sense, even if we can answer the question. But God does have a role in a time when evil seems to be winning. God is present in the times of our greatest hurt and questioning. But to experience the fruit of the presence of God in the hard times, in the middle of the suffering and the disappointment and the confusion and the loss, it's helpful that we remember and anchor ourselves in the character of God before we are in those situations. So when the question of why God comes up, and it will, we have the faith in our own spiritual toughness that enables us to face those questions and their source, trusting that we are within the comforting and powerful arms of God. That while we may suffer and while we may wonder, and even while we may wander away, while we may rage in our pain and our frustration, that we are not taken away from God in the midst 
of our despair. That we can indeed experience all of these emotions, all of the whys and, and the hows, while also holding on to the peace of Christ within us that surpasses all understanding. God does not begin to satisfy the question of evil with just answers. Rather, God reminds us as we are having those feelings, God reminds us, but I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. God reminds us, even as we are raging or despairing, I will never leave you or forsake you. God reminds us, even when we are on the edge of despair, God reminds us, remember, you are strong and courageous. I am with you. One of my favorite hymns declares, God of grace and God of glory, on thy people pour thy power. Crown the ancient church's story, bring its bud to glorious flower, and grant us wisdom, and grant us courage for the facing of this hour. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of this hour. That is a prayer for God to give us what we need when we come to face whatever we are being asked to face, whatever hardship or tragedy or mission, that rather than succumb to doubt and despair, we rise in hope and faith that not only is God present in all of this, but God is the one equipping us with what we need to face this hour. And that's what I hope to do in our summer sermon series on the fruits of the Spirit for us to uh, go through a, a sort of spiritual boot camp, to grow in faith and gain confidence in some of the ways that God is present with us in the world, that we may not only draw on them in the hard times, but that we may use these fruits of the Spirit in our roles as followers of, of Jesus, agents of his ministry of love in the world. When people of faith live boldly with confidence that God is present and active in the world, we actually push against that despair that is taking root in our time. We are giving others hope and reminding them that, that they are not alone. We may not have the answers of why God, but it is enough to remind people that they are not alone, that God is here to, for us to hold the light for those who walk through any darkness. The questions about evil, where is God when bad things happen? Those are big questions, but I think a greater question is the role of God when good things happen in the face of evil. We never really ask that. Why, God, did you allow such an amazing thing to happen? Such a glorious response to this horrible tragedy. How, God, did you show up? when people gathered together and they felt the healing love and embrace of their community. Where, God, were you then? We never get to ask those kinds of questions. Questions like, where do people get the wisdom and strength and the courage that they do to do amazing things that each of you do? What is the root for a person who gives themselves to others? 
How do caretakers find the energy to do the kind of caring that they are called to do? How does a grandmother find the strength to raise her grandchildren? What causes a firefighter to run into a burning building? What fuels a middle school teacher? Seriously, how do they do that? What gets a state worker out of bed in the morning to work on that project that is visible only in spreadsheets? What is it at work when people come to church? When they sign up to hand out bulletins? When they sign up to read scripture and serve communion and provide snacks and maybe share their story? How does God let this good happen? Where is God when this common grace erupts? Those are greater questions, I think, than the ones that I, they are the ones that I suspect provide some light into the darkness when those other questions do arise. And so for the next several weeks, we'll take a look at each fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul teaches us. Uh, Kate read, led us in reading together a passage from Paul's letter to a church in Galatia where he names nine fruits of the Spirit. And we'll read this passage every week. So get ready. We're going to read that same passage every week so that we can memorize these fruits or these gifts that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, ah, gentleness, and self-control. These are the ways that God is granting us wisdom and courage for the facing of this hour. Do you notice what it all begins with? it all begin with? Love. Love. The Beatles said it. All you need is love. All you need is love. 400 years before the Beatles said it, Martin Luther also said, love is all you need. Luther said of this passage, he said, it would have been enough for Paul to mention only the single fruit of love. For love embraces all of the fruits of the Spirit. There he's saying all you need is all he needed was love. It was enough for Paul to say that, but he enumerated more. These, this is what love looks like in, it, at work in these other fruits. But the fruit of love embraces all the fruits of the Spirit. Now, Paul is writing to a church that is in conflict. He's, they are trying to, to figure out how to be followers of Jesus when there are so many different people from so many different backgrounds in this community, so many different cultures, so many different ways of, of worshiping, so many different beliefs and, and experiences. How do we do church with so much diversity? In fact, how do we do community? How do we do a, a nation? How do we do a, a, a world when there are so many different ways of thinking about this political situation, uh, that, that outcome? How do, we, how do we stay together as a community when there is so much that is a, a difference in us? That's what Paul is, is writing about. In a, he's writing in a time and in a situation that's, that's pretty similar, actually, to our own. 
So how do we face this hour? So Paul's response for his church, for us, is live in the Spirit and the Spirit will give you what you need. Live in the Spirit and the Spirit will give you what you need. And all you need is love. All you need is love. From the fruit of love grows joy and peace and patience and kindness. When we love each other, when we love our neighbors, when we are motivated by selfless love, then we are generous and we are faithful and we are gentle and we have self-control. God kisses each fruit with love to make it sweet. You can be generous, Paul says, but you can do that without loving. Plenty of generous people who are not particularly loving. If you are generous but you are not loving, Paul says, you are nothing. You can be a faithful Christian. You can be a strong believer. But without love, he says, you are nothing. You are a noisy gong, he says. You're a a regular churchgoer. You, do, you follow all the laws, you do all the right thing, you, 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 you wear the badge, you fly the flag, you do all of that, you don't have love, you are a noisy gong, says Paul. Corinthians 13, look it up, you'll hear it at every wedding, ironically. We hear plenty of that kind of noise these days. Loveless religious folks. They may love to talk about the law. They may love to use the law to take away this right or that service. They may love to quote the Bible, to condemn, to cancel. But if there is no love, Paul says, there is no spirit. To live in the spirit, to have the spirit, to live in you is to let God's love motivate and animate everything else. We love because he first loved us. There was once a religious person, he came to Jesus, and he loved to talk about the law. He knew all the laws. He followed all the laws, and he wanted to test Jesus to see what he knew about the law. Are you the right kind of religious person, Jesus? This is what he wanted to know. He wanted to test Jesus. And so he asked Jesus, well, what, what do you have to do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus sees the trap that is being set. And so he turns the question on him. He said, oh, well, you're the expert. What does the law say? So the man says, well, <clears throat> the law says, among other things, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, well, yep, yeah, you're right. Gave the right answer. Do that, you'll live. The man, he wasn't satisfied. He was looking for something to condemn Jesus with. Love was an easy out. This is a children's sermon answer. Just love. No, he, he, he wants to really catch Jesus. Maybe he can catch Jesus if he gets Jesus to talk about who do you love? How do you love? So who's my neighbor? Is the Trump supporter my neighbor? Is the proud Biden voter my neighbor? Is the the woman who works in the sex trade my neighbor? Is the Muslim my neighbor? Is the Wall Street CEO my neighbor? Is the climate activist my neighbor? Is the climate change denier my neighbor? Hmm, Jesus? So Jesus tells a story. 
The one about that man who was beaten by robbers, left on the side of the road. Two religious folks, a couple of experts in the law. They passed him by. Finally, somebody helps the guy out, right? Samaritan. Samaritans move with compassion. Did it matter that he was a Samaritan? No. There he was, moved with compassion, moved to love. He goes out of his way. He, he treats the wounds, and he doesn't, just, uh, he doesn't just squirt a little water on them. He, he gets oil. He gets, he gets wine to cleanse them. He, he bandages them. Maybe he brings them to the medical outreach clinic so they can see Nurse Liz and Nurse Vanessa. They can fix them up, bring them to a hotel room, got them a, a few nights at at the Holiday Inn. And then he gave like a salary to, so that a, a home health care worker could come and, and take care of the guy in his hotel room. It's not going to recover on the streets. He, he gets, some, gets some nice accommodations, make sure he's healed. In fact, if he, if he goes over and above, if, if, you, if, you, if you need to spend more money, I'll pay you back. Whatever it takes, help this guy. What does it mean to love my neighbor? Who do I love? How do I love? Jesus says, be like State Farm. Like a good neighbor. Show up in love. This is what the spirit fruit of love looks like. It just looks like the story. Jesus commanded the lover of the law to go and do likewise, love his neighbor. A little bit more than he loves the law. Paul said, actually, you know, there's no law against love. Paul said, there's no law against love. There's no law against love. Paul said, there's no law against love. Everything else that matters flows from love and nothing should stand in the way of love. There are big questions about all the bad stuff that happens in the world, but there are just as many, even more examples of love overcoming evil. We could ask what kind of God lets that guy get beat up? What kind of followers of that God just pass him by? We could ask that, but we could ask what motivates the Samaritan? What gives a man like that compassion and kindness to be gentle and generous and patient? What's the answer to that? God. That's where God is. That's where God is. God fuels compassion with his love. God gives people the sweet fruit of love and God gives us the command to go and do likewise. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are honored you joined us. If you're in Harrisburg, we welcome you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030. To find out more about our church as well as the free health services we offer, visit our website, ChristHarrisburg.org. Our theme music is by Lucian Kemper. I hope today's sermon blessed you and you'll join us again. Until then... May God be with you.